The Holy Gospel according to Luke in the sixth chapter. Glory to you, o Lord. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and our minds this morning be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As Jesus was being crucified, how could he pray to God, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And how could he tell his disciples earlier in his ministry, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. How could Jesus say those things? He must have believed in a power of love that can change things. And it's not a passive love. His love required passion and compassion, conviction and courage, self-respect and dignity. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, Jesus said, offer the other also. Turn the other cheek, we say. And in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. Now, this is an important detail to pay attention to. If you strike someone on the right cheek and you're right-handed, you have to reach across their body and hit them with the back of your hand. In Jesus' time, that meant something. This is how someone who is superior in the social hierarchy would hit someone who is seen as inferior. But if someone hits you this way and you turn the other cheek, they can't hit you that way again. They can't reach your right cheek. And if you turn the other cheek like this, they have to hit you with an open palm of their hand, which at that time in history would mean that you were equal with them. Or they would have to hit you backhanded with their left hand, which was considered the impure hand. And in that case, it would be like saying that they were doing what they were doing was an impure thing, which it was, according to Jesus. Jesus. 
And even though we don't have the same cultural understandings about slapping and right hands and left hands, I think we can all understand this concept of disrespect. Sometimes people talk down to us. And what Jesus is saying here is that when someone disrespects you, don't take that disrespect into your heart. Don't believe that you're less worthy than anyone else. Turn the other cheek. Stand up tall. Even if they may hit you again, it doesn't destroy your spirit because inside you respect yourself. You have dignity. You love yourself. You know yourself. You love God and you know that God loves you. You know that what they're doing is not just. Turning the other cheek does not mean to submit and surrender. It means to resist with dignity. It was a kind of resistance without retaliation, resistance without violence. Jesus was teaching his followers how to hold on to the love and the respect that he had with them and for them. And how to bring that integrity and honor into difficult situations. According to 1 John, those who abide in love abide in God. And God abides in them. And that teaching and that experience was and is foundational to what Jesus brings to the disciples and to us. But love that stays in a personal realm is not complete. You may recall from a lectionary reading not that long ago that in 1 John we also hear that those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars, for those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from Christ is this, those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Scholar Cornel West has famously said that justice is what love looks like in public. And so in Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, which is what we call the text, the passage we heard from Luke today, Jesus gives the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Be generous. Love people whether they love you or not. Give to everyone who begs from you. Give without strings attached. Be kind and merciful as God is. Don't judge and do forgive. The goal to love as God loves is a high bar. Theologian Jürgen Moltmann once said at a conference that I'd attended that he cannot love and he cannot forgive some people. But he knows that God can. And so he leaves that for God to do. Jesus teaches about a kind of justice that says that love wins. That love can change hearts and minds. Forgiveness can wear away at fear and even hatred until what remains is hope. When someone is freed from the hatred they hold in their hearts, they're indeed free of a great deal of suffering. Hatred destroys the soul. Disrespect and disdain directed toward others also just eats away at the spirit of the one who dwells in that disdain. Is there any freedom for someone who clings to hate? As long as they cling to their hatred, are they free? We have to ask ourselves this question too. When we stew in anger, in fear, 
and resentment? Are we truly free? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once preached a sermon called Love Your Enemies. And in that sermon, he speaks about an individual's spiritual practice of love. You just keep loving people and keep loving them, he says, even though you're, they're mistreating you. Here's the person who's a neighbor and this person is doing something wrong to you and all of that. Just keep being friendly to that person. Keep loving them. Don't do anything to embarrass them. Just keep loving them and they can't stand it too long. Oh, they react in many ways. In the beginning, they react with bitterness because they're mad because you love them like that. They react with guilt and guilty feelings and sometimes they'll hate you a little more at that transition period, but just keep loving them. And by the power of your love, they will break down under the load. That's love, you see. It's redemptive, and this is why Jesus says love. There's something about love that builds up and is creative. There's something about hate that tears down and is destructive. So love your enemies. This process of transformation through love is a long one. And it's difficult, and it's sometimes dangerous. And so I want to say very clearly that if someone is hurting you, Jesus wants you to protect yourself. God wants you to love yourself as much as God loves you, and that's a lot. You're worthy of love and of safety. If someone is hitting you, turn the other cheek means taking action so that they can't hurt you anymore. Get help. Get away from that violence. Turning the other cheek sometimes means leaving. And if they're not hitting you, but they're tearing you down emotionally, it's the same thing. Don't let that hatred get inside of you. Love yourself as much as God loves you and get any help you need to get away from that emotional violence. But if you are safe, or once you get safe, and someone's being hostile toward you, then you have an opportunity to do some spiritual work. Then you have an opportunity to hold out an alternative possibility to that person and to live into that alternative possibility yourself. I know that when I try to do it, I usually have to learn about myself more deeply. I have to try to understand why another person's words or their facial expressions or tone of voice have so much power over me. I have to learn where the vulnerability is in me. I have to learn about the doubt or the shame that they're triggering, and I have to work on healing that place in me. And when that place is healed in me, no one will be able to trigger that pain anymore. Cornel West wrote that to be a Christian is to live dangerously, honestly, freely, to step in the name of love as if you may land on nothing, Yet to keep on stepping because the something that sustains you, no empire can give you and no empire can take away. That something that sustains us is being grounded in God's love for us. Then we believe in our value. Then we become bully proof like a raincoat is rainproof. Bully's words can't get in. A hater's hate can't hurt us. And then we can let go of hate, even defensive hate. And we can build something new out of love. Then we can change our laws and our policies, too. We can affect the lives of our neighbors. We can set boundaries on what is and what is not acceptable. We can stand strong 
for justice. The kind of justice that restores humanity and heals people. Cornel West has also said that he's a prisoner of hope and that hope is different from optimism and I really appreciate his distinction. Because optimism, he says, is a passive thing. That when you look at the evidence, you decide that things will get better. But when the evidence does not look good, when the forces of injustice seem to be growing, hope is a stance of resistance. To live, he wrote, is to wrestle with despair, yet never allow despair to have the last word. As Christians, we are resurrection people. We tell the stories again and again of crucifixion and resurrection. The arc of history is long, and we proclaim that it bends toward justice, and so we call out and respond to each other on Easter Day that Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed. That despair does not have the last word. We remind ourselves and each other that death does not have the last word. Cruelty doesn't have the last word. Injustice doesn't have the last word. Hatred doesn't have the last word. Why? Because love wins. Because God reaches into the graves of our lives and pulls us out. God reaches into the deepest despair and pulls out hope. And I know it's All Saints Day today, but... For just a moment, I need it to be Easter for just a couple of moments. You already got it started, so when I say Christ is risen, you say Christ is risen indeed. When I say love wins, you just add an indeed on top of that, so you reply love wins indeed. Whatever I say, you repeat, just add indeed afterwards. <laughs> and say it with gusto. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Love wins. Love wins indeed. Hope wins. Hope wins indeed. God wins. God wins indeed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Friends, this is our story. It's our embodied hope. This is the story that holds all the saints. It's our joy and our vision of a world based on justice. The justice of Jesus is love lived in public. The justice of Jesus transforms, redeems, restores. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.